0: We're with Sam Miller. Sam is a local comedian who
1: travels the state. Correct. Sam, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, let me think. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've been doing comedy for two years. Uh, I've been sober for eight years. Uh, I got two kids. I've been married for five years. Uh, I weigh 320 pounds. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm enormous. <laughs> and uh, people like me most of the time. We had the drum in the back and I need to make sure I moved the drum so that... Uh, that doesn't. He almost got hit.
2: That was exciting, yeah. That oh, was yeah. a really cool so, podcast. You that. could have called it the episode where a guy ran into me. <laughs> Those are like the best episodes. <laughs> Those are, and I would yeah. assume a lot of people would want to know how bad we were hurt. Yeah, there's you know? comedy shows where I'm like, oh, the one where the lady threw the drink.
1: <laughs> no,
2: I won't remember a single joke said, but I'll be like, oh, wow, everything went sideways. So,
1: so it's kind of cool that you bring up your kids and you bring up jokes because we thought as all, as fathers, we thought it would be great to, to, just share our best father joke, our best father
2: joke. Oh, you mean like a dad joke? Like a dad
1: joke. And we, we, you know, so we're like, now Sam's a comedian. He like, he's probably got an awesome dad joke. So like, what's your favorite?
2: Well, is it you want like a story about being a dad or Uh, do you want just a corny joke that I tell my kids all the time? Yeah because I've had those passed down from generation
1: then then that's what we want. We want uh, the, we yes. want we want the, the generational good stuff. Get, the, yeah,
2: bring it. So, my dad used to do this thing whenever there was like dogs around and they'd be barking and he'd be like, "Hey, you know dogs can talk." And we'd be like, "No." <laughs> and then he'd be like what what do you put on top of your house <laughs> And it goes roof
0: roof and, uh, <laughs> oh, That was really God.
2: funny <laughs> then, What is on the outside of a tree That was uh, That was really funny That and he used to He was in the air force And he would uh, He was really into airplanes and I was into airplanes And he'd point things out and he'd be like Check out that B1RD what he called birds or a GU-11 (laughs) goal yeah but those are those are my favorite those are awesome that's good yeah yeah
0: he was a funny guy and that's important like having teaching your kid humor teaching uh, them how to be able to just laugh and have fun
1: Sounds like your dad was a very encouraging guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at
2: least on the joke standpoint. My dad, uh my dad is one of those individuals that uh you know, I mean it's 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 complicated, you know. Yeah. Like he was uh, in a lot of ways he was great and in a lot of ways it was really he had it worse than I did and he did the best that he could. And uh yeah, this just got really discouraging. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whoa. 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 No, no, it's all part of it. I mean, that's the thing about this podcast is like, it's we find encouragement in so many different ways. The you know sometimes there's going to be moments where it's going to be sad. Sometimes it's going to be happy. Sometimes it's it's just no matter what it's mm-hmm. going to be encouraging. And we can find encouragement through the trials and tribulations of life, through fart jokes that mm-hmm. that uh, Brian tells. and uh, and smells, because he does a lot of farting when I'm around. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, he's like trying to, it's like this alpha male that's going on. He's like, I'm going to fart. He's like, I don't know what it is. He's like oppressing you. No. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. He's oppressing me with this. We smell. actually had about a fifteen minute conversation about this. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, but just about farting. Well we went we went into the inappropriate like elongating of the word. So like I'm like it's fart. You say fart. And he's like fart. Oh. Uh, you know, and so it was just, anyway. To he actually make it, it sound
2: like, I like it when words sound like what they are. Yeah. Like edge, <laughs> like you know? Like, <laughs> <Ellie likes those. laughs> If they called them silly beetles, <laughs> people would probably like them.
1: So, so, what's your father's joke, Nathan?
0: My father joke is, why did the superhero go to the potty? Why? Because... It was his duty! Oh oh my god. I like Sam's better. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, I totally. I actually learned it from a five-year-old, though, so I can't really, you know, I can't blame you too much. Even if a (laughs) a five-year-old
2: told me that joke, I'd still tell him it was
0: garbage.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to be honest with children. (laughs) That's
0: not a very good joke. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's the thing is, like, all these comedians, they try to write all these great jokes, but they do it without, like, defining a style or, uh, you know. That's, I think that's why I'm a little ahead of the game for a comedian, because I've been doing it a couple of years, because I kind of came in with a defined style, because I talk so much, and I talk to so many different people. So what what is your style? Uh... I don't know. It's hard to define. <laughs>
0: <Of> course, <anyway. laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> yeah,
2: I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of kind of storytelling stuff, you know, where the jokes are. Uh, it might be hard to pick them out, but they're in there, and I, I know what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, it's 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 complicated. Comedy is really complicated because a lot of it is all instinct, you know. And uh, I think comedy is interesting because it's not always like. The funny, fun comedy isn't necessarily born from, like, funny, happy times, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that kind of comes back to my dad and to my, uh, to my issues with drug addiction and mental health. And, uh, and that, to me, like, humor isn't necessarily, like, a luxury item, you know. It's a, it's a, necess- it's a necessity
0: yeah. that
2: humor is survival of, of you know, to keep spirits up, whether you're incarcerated or mm-hmm. or homeless, stuff that I've been through, that you could always, you could always make jokes, you could always, you could always make fun of the those that you know that, that hold the power, mm-hmm. which is basically when you're in jail, it's like everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Like we used to make fun of guards <laughs> and ruth- ruthlessly make fun of guards. <laughs> and, uh, it isn't even about whether we like them or not. It's just, it's just like you gotta. It's levity. Yeah, you gotta do it. You know? mm-hmm. We were just talking about that on the way down here to
1: pick you up about how like we. The way we joke around with each other is is in such a way that it just provides a balance to the work that we're doing you know mm-hmm. and in social services
0: yeah
1: you know, mm-hmm. you know and so it's a that's a great point to bring up yes yeah, and i was
2: a I was a counselor for a while. I was a chemical dependency counselor I did abstinence- based counseling in Grays Harbor and then i uh, I worked at a methadone clinic in Grays Harbor hmm. in both of those institutions. I think that there's different. Forms of drug treatment that work better for different kinds of people. and I'm not about to get into mm-hmm. get into that whole whole thing, but uh, mm-hmm. it was definitely important that I maintained my sense of humor, not just with my coworkers, but also with uh, my clients. Yeah, you know, to respect them enough to to not change who I am just because I'm with a client. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like. And I'm not talking, like, self-disclosure or anything like that. I'm not talking about talking about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, you know, I think sometimes we think because people make a decision that we wouldn't make that they might not have the same kind of faculty that we have.
0: But
2: mm-hmm. in reality, we don't understand the decision. You know?
0: mm-hmm. That's
2: mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at.
0: Yeah. I had that experience last night. It brought me into county jail. Oh, really? And uh, there's two guys that were uh, in there. One... Um, that showed up and he had a little bit of recovery under his belt, and uh, one guy that uh, had pretty much grown up in the, the, the system, he'd been in incarcerated since he was twelve. Yeah. And uh, I just was, I didn't know exactly how to to start the meeting. I didn't have all the yeah. formats, but I, I had some literature, and I was just being honest with them. I just said, yeah. you know, in the in my recovery, I, I believe and know and have seen and witnessed people that. Have the capacity to be honest. Mm-hmm. They they will recover, and uh, and that's why I have to be honest with just being completely open with them, and you know not getting in completely into self disclosure. Yeah, yeah, you know, because they might come into my house and kill me if they don't like what oh, I said. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. They, they didn't put off that vibe. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> kind of. I might do that. You too. might do that. Yeah. yeah
2: like, well, I used but, to tell folks like I was like you know, in. On a certain level, you're I think, just, I, think kill me. I think heroin addicts are extremely trustworthy, and I say that to folks, and they're like, "Well, well I'm like, I'm not talking about let them borrow my laptop, trustworthy." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times they're more in touch with uh, with what's really going on, and they're more honest with themselves than mm-hmm. we give them credit for. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing about denial is, is it's, it's it's impermanent and it's and it fluctuates, and there's different forms of denial. And there's always these windows, these moments of uh, moments of clarity, you know, where you realize, and that's the way it was when I was actively using. Is I would have moments where you know, and that's the thing is that what bugs me is I'd go to the hospital, or I'd be dealing with different charities, and they would they would help and provide like that help on that one level, but then they'd say stuff with me. They'd be like, "Don't you know that what you're doing is dangerous?" And it's like, oh, you think I'm an idiot? Like, yeah. That's what you know, like, you know, when you're when you're using methamphetamines and people are like, oh, isn't that stuff bad for you? And it's like, no kidding, man. Like I'm smoking it out of a light bulb. <laughs> like, yeah, it's bad for me. My god. I got it,
0: man. I, I just got it. I just saw <laughs> the the normie in the car just went, oh, oh my yeah. Sorry,
2: god. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I mean,
1: I think that's just a powerful message, and in—I mean—and just to kind of tie it back back about what this podcast is about is sometimes truth, right, in whatever form is encouraging. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. know, um, the this perspective right here, um, you know, it's so easy to fall into like the social expectations around what an addict is Mm -hmm. or what a heroin addict is, but to hear it in this form creates that awareness right it yeah. creates that opportunity and that in itself is encouraging who knows I mean somebody listening to this podcast might be like wow you know maybe I need to approach my family member in a different way I hope that
2: I hope that's what what happens a lot of my comedy I talk about drugs and I have people that come up to me after the show and they'll say that I love it when people say this is I do like an impression of somebody who actively using methamphetamines and is attempting to cover up the effects of the methamphetamines, which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you see folks and you're like, dang, look at that tweaker. Mm-hmm. Like, number one, like that's like who 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 are you to, to, to make pass judgment on anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And also, uh, like but besides the fact and I'm not I'm gonna respect the fact of the harm mm-hmm. that drug addicts mm-hmm. in this society do. But you know, and I do believe that addiction is a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I also believe that society as a whole has a disease too. Mm-hmm. And it's that disease of stigma. Mm-hmm. It's that disease. Okay. Like if I could openly, the, the charity that wound up saving my, my butt was Iggy Hop. <laughs> and they do needle exchanges and they did wound care. <laughs> and a lot of folks that volunteered for that agency also use drugs. <laughs> And they're the ones that I felt comfortable talking to. And they, they weren't saying things like, don't you know that this is dangerous? Because they know that it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, but they were saying things like, how are you? How's your day? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? yeah. Just that idea of... And if anybody in here, anybody listening has a family member who's struggling with addiction, to know that, 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 that what's important is that you take care of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: if that involves setting clear boundaries then set clear boundaries and there's help for you too uh you know i'm not going to talk about my personal recovery program but i I can say that i think al-anon is a great program for folks that are that are struggling with a a friendly a close friend or a family member who's struggling with addiction or alcoholism and uh, i mean there's help out there you know and it's it's all about taking responsibility for yourself you know And, and as far as like if there's any drug addicts listening just know that like i you know I think I think you're worthwhile, and I think you're beautiful, and I don't think anybody is more valuable than you are. I mean, I don't think anybody is more valuable than anybody else, you know? Like, uh, I don't think people get assigned value upon birth, and that value changes by how good they are at capitalism. <laughs> Man,
0: you're taking that. us down a rabbit hole, <laughs> no. bro. All right, okay, all right, I've got the Monopoly board. We can break it out right now. So I mean that's that's really cool to know that um, there's some
1: organizations that that have provided an immense amount of support for you, oh, yeah. and, and we welcome you know sharing that for sure. Is there any particular person like in your life, like during your recovery, well, that was just encouraging, and it helped encourage you along your path?
2: You know, it really was. I think for for me at least, a lot of it was a community, and it was also people that. Uh, when I was incarcerated, it's funny that you said that you did that, you know, when I was incarcerated, there was volunteers that came in, and I kind of knew where I needed to go when I did, when I was ready, and also, uh, I hate to say this to any, uh, addicts listening, but my mom kind of toughening up and being like, uh, you know, her starting to set clear boundaries, and, uh, You know, that's the thing about my dad. He died when I was 12. And then I was like, addiction's a weird disease because it's about, to me, it's about fear, you know? And before my dad died, I was scared of him. And then he died, and then I was scared of everybody else. And the only thing that made me feel better was drugs and alcohol, hmm. you know. And that's incredibly powerful. And that's the thing is where people are like, oh, I don't know why they keep drinking. I don't know why they keep using. I don't know why they keep... I know exactly why people drink and use. Heroin makes perfect sense to me. Like, hmm. I mean, like, so does methamphetamine. So does all these drugs and all. It makes perfect sense to me, you know. The 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 thing is it to... To find your way out of that and to, to know that there's options involves being in a space where, where where you can recognize those options. And to get in that space where you can recognize those options takes a bit of stability. And maybe that stability could happen while people are still using. Like, that's the thing is it? I'm, I'm big into, like, the housing-first model. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you're, you're getting folks. You know, and that makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, they're doing, you know, this and that. And, like, well, you don't really, you know... It's amazing how many people become experts on homelessness that have never read anything about homelessness, have never studied homelessness. Mm-hmm. All they've seen is a Will Smith movie. You know, <laughs> uh, movie, they're
0: you like, know. I got this all figured out. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, we work for
1: social services, right? And and I work for a, a program in particular that 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 does barrier removal and resourcing mm-hmm. for folks who are low yeah. income and poverty. And and because I do that work. You now, one of the reasons why I go out and do homeless outreach every Thursday on the streets of Olympia yeah. is because I'm involved in that work. And how, yeah. how am I to know that perspective and understand what it's like for somebody who I'm serving if I don't go out yeah. and engage them face to face? Yeah, and well, and people.
2: Just, and people, have
1: conversations
2: with them. People take this stuff sometimes and they, they either want to simplify it or they want to complicate it. And that hmm. I, there's this analogy that I really love where people see a problem and they take out their microscope or they take out their telescope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they look at it from so mm-hmm. far away and it's such a large angle that they're not actually seeing the issue mm-hmm. or they take out their microscope and they get so close that they just focus on the one thing
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know when the things that make people the things that cause homelessness the things that cause addiction mm-hmm. it's complicated there's a lot of factors you know there's a lot of factors
1: so, we we pull up this website, right? and yeah. I, I I Googled uh, encouragement recovery, right? And yeah, yeah, just, yeah. There's just this whole page on yeah on the power of encouraging folks, and yeah. it, it talks about like the difference between praise and encouragement. Praise, like, hey, buddy, yeah. good job for making it to you know a year or two, but yeah. encouragement encouragement comes in when somebody's like, you know, it's it's the recovery process is highs and lows, mm-hmm. right? And so like. Encouragement can be really powerful, especially in those low moments. Yeah, you know. And so, I guess the question is like, you know, how have you encouraged others through those low moments, and how have you been
2: encouraged through those low moments? Man, that's a that's a that's a big question. Uh,
1: and I mean, if it's not if yeah. you're not comfortable, no, you know, I'm
2: totally comfortable with it. I'm just trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, you know, I can't I can't I can't really say exactly how that point got reached like I I had a really bad night June 9th 2008 was a bad night and it was no worse than a lot of other nights so. but that morning of June 10th I woke up in a compromising situation and I uh, I don't know something something just snapped and it wasn't and it wasn't this is not going to be very encouraging but it was one of those things that it's like alright Sam you're going to get you need to get get sober or kill yourself was my choice, and uh, were my choices at that time. And I know people are like, "Oh, there's other choices," but not to me right then. You know, the ones that I had. And uh-huh. I uh, I was terrified, just absolutely terrified of what my life would be like without dreams or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, uh, they, uh, you know, I know that <laughs> they weren't necessarily like, you know, if you if from the outside, it's like, man, like, why would you, why would you, you know, go in jail and rehab and. Like, Fights and you know I've been robbed and all this stuff, guns in my face and stuff. And cats are like, why would like, how is this that hard of a decision? <laughs> but uh, the thing about, you know, the thing about, you know, if you, if I, if I told you that you were going to be you know, upset for for years at a time and that if you had ten bucks that you're good to go, you know, that's the thing is that I don't remember that much about my first year of recovery and I'm glad that I know it to be honest like there was like amazing things that happened but it was like I was either extremely excited or just completely crushed mm. you know there was no I was I was when I was four months sober I was sitting I was sitting there and for a second I felt like okay mm. and I got so excited about feeling okay that I lost it but for a minute there, I felt like okay and uh, mm-hmm. and then again at 11 months sober I had like the same kind of experience Where it lasted a little bit longer And yeah. because it happened that once that I knew that I could do it again, you know mm-hmm. And then uh, when I was When I was about three years sober I was hanging out with my son, Buddy And we went down to the river And I got really worried We were at the brewery There's all the waterfalls and rapids and stuff mm-hmm. And I got really worried that my kid was going to jump in the river I tell the story all the time But it makes sense I got really worried that my kid was going to jump in the river. I get so scared, you know, and and that fear, you know, and then it's like you make bad decisions in fear, whether it was, like, I was, like, going to, like, kind of freak out. Like, I wasn't going to, like, you know, Mm -hmm. yell at him, and like, all right, we're leaving, you know, like, it's too much, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, he sat down on the rocks, and then I sat down next to him, and I felt the wind on my face, and I was like, you know, I just felt free. Mm -hmm. I felt okay. And there's no... For me, there was kind of no coming back from that. You know, mm-hmm. like, if I can be sober, and you know, the th- and then it started happening more and more, to where now, like I have experiences all the time. Where mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm gonna be okay. It's, it's not just, it's not because the fear that you have as an alcoholic and a drug addict isn't like, a, oh, I'm scared and I should wait till I'm not. It's like this: I'm scared. I'm always gonna be scared. I don't know how to not. I don't know how to. And that it's, a, it's, it's, it's not just a feeling in space, it's a feeling in time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a that th- this is going to be a constant. You're, it surrounds you, it's all, it's, it's everywhere you look forward, backward, all around. You know? But that's the thing is that I have this experience of the river and I feel that wind on my face and I feel okay, and I can see that okayness of expanding
0: around mm-hmm. to where.
2: And that is, you know, they talk about like, spiritual experiences and they talk about God a lot in recovery. And I don't really give a, I don't really, I swear, but I don't, can I swear? Yeah. I don't give a shit about God. I, I'm just happy that I've had that experience, you know. I don't like to, I don't like to talk about it, you know. No. I don't like to call it God. I don't really care what it is. But, uh but maybe it was, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And since then, whenever I'm scared, I think of the river. You know, mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm not having the best day today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I got I got friends of mine that want to hurt each other right mm-hmm. now, and there's nothing I can do about
0: it. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? But uh, I'm okay. You know?
0: Yeah, I think you touched on something that that, uh, that our listeners, whether they are dealing with uh, addiction or not, is that uh, we do make bad decisions when we're afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I make bad decisions when I'm afraid, and sometimes that that those decisions that come out can come out either in anger. Uh, sometimes they come out in anger. Most of the time they come out in anger. I mean, I don't know if that's a male thing or human thing. Oh yeah, that's thing. Masculinity,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: it masculinity. Come out in anger. It's I'm okay
2: like, to be mad. It ain't okay to be sad. Right,
0: yeah. right. And so I mean, like w- working through those, just accepting the feelings, accepting the feeling of fear, and and uh, just letting it ride out and not acting out on it. Um, I think you touched on something that that's a, r- a real big key because. You were talking about uh, the people that are early on in in their addiction or looking for ways out, going and trying to to condemn them. Well, don't you know that you shouldn't be doing this? That's not what people need to hear. People need to hear, like, some encouraging... Like, words of, I understand where you're at. You know, or, help me understand where you're at. How can I help you? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we can do as as human beings to help alleviate other people's fears when yeah. we can ask people how they're doing and really just connect with them and say, you know, how can I help you? Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, being of service mm-hmm. to each other. And, and we have that power. Yeah. We have that power to encourage each other when we're afraid. Yeah. And uh, I think... I think that's a good word.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, the, I guess, you know, this is something that, I don't know why I just got reminded of this, but they have that show on A&E, and they're like, what? It's like that 40 days in or whatever like that, and they're like, what happens when you put normal people in jail? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know, man. Like, what what happens? Like, who's normal? Uh, what's jail? You know, like, what what's really going on, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> You know these these ideas that the public has about the, these systems and and how they're working or not working and and what they're based on. You know, that's the thing is like if I if I want to understand warfare, I'm gonna to talk to a soldier. Uh-huh. If I want to understand the law, I'm gonna to talk to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's like if I want to understand addiction, I'm gonna read a book or like you know I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to talk to a cop or something. Yeah, there's all kinds, I mean, there's all kinds of places, you know, to, I mean, that's the thing, and the other thing that gets me too is that uh, folks, they they take out that telescope. I remember, uh, you know, Robin Williams and Philip Seymour Hoffman and like, and uh, possibly Prince too, they talk about him possibly being into opiates, you know, and they... They, people are so upset. They're like, oh, this this crisis. I can't believe this happened to Prince. I'm like, you didn't know Prince. Like, don't get me wrong. It's tragic that Prince died, but you didn't know that, dude. I mean, there's some cat down your street right now who's falling out. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was really bad with Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. I couldn't believe Oh God! Like I've never heard you say nothing about addiction. you know? <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, he's like, "I really loved him, and there will be blood." Or <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, me too, man. He's a good actor, and it's, it's really sad. But you know, Terry, like you know, I have lost. I, I can't even. I, I I don't even want to begin to count how many people that I've lost, and not just not just to death either, but also to like uh, long-term incarceration. Uh-huh. Versus,
0: well, I think, you know, touching the, based on the subject of incarceration, it changes people. Mm. People that come in there that uh, may not have come in on a, on a high-level uh, offense or a felony. Yeah. Once they're put in that situation, get they change yeah. because well, of incarceration been, the incarceration process.
2: I've had a hard time because, I mean, when I was locked up, I'm like 19 the first time I did, like, a long stretch. And... Uh, I remember sitting in there, like, I was thinking about how, like, I was in, I was taking some college classes and stuff like that, I wasn't doing well, but, like, I was in college, and then I remember thinking, it's like, and also the idea of, like, going to jail as being, like, you kind of think about it, and you know that it's a possibility when you're doing some dirt, you know? But like, it's still like, you never really think it's going to happen, and then it's like, so it's hard to connect, like, oh, I did this, and then I went to jail. It's more like, I'm living, and then I'm in jail. Like, <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> you know? And, you know, that's the, that's what gets me, and people sometimes, I think they focus on the jail, as opposed to realizing that these are people that are, here, and I was taken out of the life, and like, that, that I was removed, you know. I was removed, not just from my life and also uh, from society as a whole. I was taken out. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do to folks, you know. And I'm not trying to justify anybody's actions. That's not my place. And I'm not trying to say that, that people don't deserve some form of justice. But what I'm saying is that, uh, that if the justice isn't working for anybody... Like crime rates are still the same, you know? And it just it's just You gotta you know, try something different. Yeah, you gotta try something different. It's yeah. weird. Like it's almost like imagine if NASA ran the way the prison system ran. <laughs> like it's like we'll just make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it'll still not work. <laughs> You're like, Oh man, like, we're not going anywhere. You're like, oh yeah, we almost made it in orbit. <laughs> or, or
1: what if, what yeah. if, what if uh, Tesla, the Tesla Corp, decided to invest billions in uh, programs for recovery? Oh god, I
2: can't even imagine, man. You know. Like if somebody, if somebody, if somebody really invested. You know, with me, the biggest thing is finding a way to break down the stigma. And you know what the awesome thing? You can talk about encouraging. Is that it's starting to happen Yeah Like I hear politicians Talk about it And if my place In this mess Is just to do podcasts And do stand up comedy And be like Yeah I was in jail Yeah I smoked meth Out of light bulbs <laughs> I'm okay It's alright I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal Your stuff probably
0: <laughs> You know like I'm not uh, actively... G- Where's my wallet? No, yeah you know what I mean. It's
2: like, okay good it's I got you life. know I, I got these jokes Where I'm just like You know like I talk about, I'm, when I met my wife, I was homeless, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, and she didn't know that, and I didn't tell her. Cause I'm, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, and I met his wife, and she's a yeah, wonderful person. She is, she's amazing. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was homeless. I wasn't an idiot. You <laughs> know, <laughs> deal breaker. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we hit it off, and she's like, let's go back to your place, and I'm like, oh, that's a problem. You know? <laughs> 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 that's a problem. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like me and my roommates aren't getting along.
0: <laughs> Are <you serious>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
2: what I tell <laughs> oh you. Yeah, I weird.
1: I you know, just listening to you I've just found uh I found a lot of power um a lot of encouragement personally, you know, I've I've never struggled with addiction. Yeah. So I can never ever speak or, or speak on that or judge that, but I have you know, I asked for my wife's hand in marriage, and my father went into a year-long rehab program for crack, heroin, oh, wow, yeah, see. You know, so I mean, I have. You've been I have, touched by it. Have, just the oh same. yeah, I have direct experience. My my my, I have several family members who who visit me, the methadone clinic on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, I I have that perspective, but, um, I still, even though not having a personal connection to it, I still found a lot of power and a lot of encouragement every time you said, you know, when I feel a breeze across my face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the river, you know, yeah, yeah. and that, and that to have that, you know, makes me wish that everybody who's struggling and in recovery has that special moment, you know, where that can pull them back from yeah. those low times, from those low times, you know. I mean, I, I yeah. just, I was going to make, it's going to make me want to go pick out my river moment, you know. Hey,
2: you know, when you ask that question about Mm -hmm. like encouragement and stuff and like what I I think what I wish to tell folks is that like as a drug addict uh, whether you're in recovery or not you have that that feeling of fear going through time which which comes on as like the chicken little thing like the sky Mm. is falling you know like at any point no matter even if you feel good you know that it's just like it's just a matter of time you know it's just a matter of time before you're People have this experience constantly where it's just, it's just a matter of time and the thing is is that we we act based on that assumption that it's not going to work out so we're taking we're, we're 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 trying to think our way into acting differently but our thinking is broken mm. in a lot of ways not just for drug addicts everybody you know mm-hmm. our thinking is broken but what we can do is we can act our way into thinking differently and that's what i did in recovery is i did things i expect things to be absolute shit right that's what my expectations but if I do things that I'm uncomfortable with I get results I don't expect Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and so that's that's what and I don't know where I heard that I didn't come up with that but like when I when I get honest with people and I get honest with myself and try to kind of clean up the past a little bit Mm
0: -hmm. that's
2: when that's when that's when rivers happen that's when that's hmm. when. That's when you feel that breeze on your face. Because it's not like the breeze ain't there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that's the. That's the trick for me. That's the trick to spirituality. It isn't so much, like figuring out spirituality. It's just figuring out that I'm not it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to get to try to get out of the way. You know, mm-hmm. well, one of our slogans
1: is. Stop farting. <laughs> stop no, that's Nathan's slogan, that's Nathan that's a slogan for me. That's my slogan. You know what's horrible? Him. No, what's horrible about all this is, and it's self-inflicted. Like, don't get me wrong; I'm yeah. not a victim, but like this, I have a problem. I think I think I need to go into like fart recovery or something because like this like follows me around. You yeah, know? Like there, just, is <laughs> there
2: is a program. There is really. Yeah, yeah. What is it called? Fart. Yeah, it is. Well, you know what's? <laughs> is you it wanna act- stop? I heard this the other day. If you just eat slower. Oh. Do you eat fast? I don't know. Man. I heard I somewhere. Really I heard attention. somewhere that fifty percent of the shit we fart out. Man, this got dirty. I don't know. <laughs> you guys said I could swear like, it. Shit, 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 shit.
1: Uh,
2: that fifty percent of the stuff we fart out is just air that we swallowed mm-hmm. and didn't fart. Oh. Huh. So you could like eat and then try to like get the air out of your mouth, which seems really weird.
0: <laughs>
2: or you could just not eat so fast. Or eat less bread because bread has like air in it. I think I don't know what I'm talking about now. All
0: right, man. It's a it's a
2: great uh, logic uh,
1: sequence of logic there.
0: Yeah, I can follow it. I'm basically a scientist. scientist. (laughs) That's what.
1: So, folks, that's why we invited Sam today. He's not only a comedian. (laughs) He's not only recovery. But he is a scientist. He's a scientist. So please, if you have any questions about science, we'll be happy to forward them to Sam <laughs> <Forward> Miller. <them. laughs> you can visit Sam.
2: Through what's your question? So what And you... I know how the internet works. It's like electricity. <laughs> <and> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like smart electricity. <laughs> did, did, did you want to? Do you want to plug any of your oh, your com- man. Your You com- can. If you ever want to find out what I'm up to, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, just look up Sam Miller from Olympia. You'll find. Uh, on twitter too and that's at biggersam 67 uh, and I usually put I don't know I'm always trying to be a smart ass i probably make, you probably don't want to follow me I'll probably post stuff to
0: <laughs> so if you want to get angry you can follow Sam at
2: bigger bigger sam? Bigger
1: Sam. Bigger 67 sam, bigger sam67 at twitter.com or you can look him up Sam Miller uh, Olympia Washington on Facebook well, can I tell my dad joke? A good All right. So, how do you make a tissue dance? Oh.
2: You put a boogie in it. Oh yeah, I've heard that one. Stoked to hear it again. Stoked to hear it. Thanks, yeah, man. I'm really positive until we start talking about
1: comedy. I mean, and not to not not that this is anywhere close to the your river moment. Yeah. But like, whenever I think about a drum circle. It makes me feel good.
2: Oh, that's what's up. You know, like... Well, I know a lot of people get a lot out of playing music and especially sharing music with their friends. I get a lot... When I'm hosting... sometimes Sometimes I'll produce a comedy show and maybe one I'm not even performing at. It's just something that I'll put together for other folks to perform at. And I get to see somebody have a moment. Like, maybe a comedian has a really good set or there's, like, some weird kind of moment with the crowd where they do... This or that. Dang that girl almost ran into you too, man. Yep. That's crazy. There she people thought are, she thought that you had a stop sign, but you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen you drive very well. And I've seen two people almost hit you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're
1: gunning for you. There's, there's a metaphor in there somewhere. Oh well, there is. Yeah. You, know, you can ride the straight and narrow all you want. People are still gonna smack you. Gonna you gotta start. just keep
0: on going, keep on driving. You know, be careful. But, uh, you know, keep moving. So you
1: guys going to go back to work now? Yep. I'm, I'm actually heading down. I do every Thursday night. I work with a program called City Gates. Oh, I've heard of City Gates. That's where on I'm, the going corner, to. Later, on a, I'm going Later. I'm going later. I'm going a little bit earlier on the corner of 4th and Adams. And we uh, we go we go straight to the folks in the street and we serve them. Sometimes. We provide them with haircuts and clothes and That's food tough. and hygiene and tarps. And uh, sometimes we have some tents come through because folks get their tents. Tarps are huge folks get their tents robbed, you know, and so we, you know, we replace those for them and we, um, but really it's about relationships, man. We, um, I, my little space down there, I do adult coloring and I, you know, doing that, creating that little area where people can kind of congregate and hang out. I've gotten to know folks and develop much, like just much deeper relationships with them. Uh, than I ever have yeah. you know and just sitting down and talking with them and so I think
2: more people should talk like that because you know that's the thing about working with homeless populations and uh, and other traditionally oppressed folks is people are like I think a lot of people get into it because they want to have that like uh, they want to feel better about themselves but the thing is is that uh, a lot of times those relationships are just amazing for, for anyone involved mm-hmm. like I feel like it's a it's a it's an absolute pleasure to know the people I know, and I don't work. You know, that's the thing about me is like I'm not out here working for a specific charity, and it might even be hard to recognize exactly what I do when I'm downtown. Mm-hmm. But I hang out downtown, and I have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and a lot of them. Uh, sometimes I might, I might be the, I might be the, the only, per, the only person who really interacts with dude mm-hmm. on that
0: level. For a while, you
1: know? Well, and because
2: yeah. of, because of that relationship. You know,
1: because of developing those relationships, learning about folks like this guy named Spike who comes up, goes down to Cali to grow and comes back mm-hmm. up and causing grief for folks. You know, I was able to talk with the city and say, hey, you know, there needs to be an awareness around safety. Yeah. You know, this summer season as travelers come in, you know, just being aware of that. And, uh, but I just, you know, I, I just, I've actually had some, developed some great friendships mm-hmm. with folks down there. And they, you know, we, they come down every week and... And we hang out. So,
0: and a lot of the uh, nine out of ten people that I talk to when I'm there, like they just say, No one talks to us, no one treats us like a human being. And I, uh. I, I go and I usually uh, hang out near the art area, but I also, what I'll just do is I'll just I'll hang out in line with them and just talk with them and just befriend them. And uh, when they get to the front of line, when you know, they want a, uh, some shoes or a jacket or a blanket. I ask them, you know, what what do you need? You know, mm-hmm. and give them a little bit more courage to ask for a little bit more that they might need. And uh, you know, yeah. it's and that's and that's kind of that's encouraging. You know, I mean, sometimes I need somebody to give me permission to ask for, um, to, ha- to for me to help myself.
2: Well, it's, it's it's strange to think in that framework of not being able to have this or that, you know, like, I live in a, I live in a world now where I, I am never hungry, I am never without, uh, I have a, uh, beautiful wife, a grown man, and, uh, like, you know, I still, you know, I still, I still have those habits, and I, and I think those thoughts sometimes, like, uh, you know, like, what it's, it's like I remember I remember that I watched my when I was, I used to eat at Bread and Roses back in the day mm-hmm. and I was watching, back when they had a soup kitchen over on State Street mm-hmm. I, uh, I remember I told my friend that I would watch his dog because he was turning himself in on some warrants, mm-hmm. and I was watching his puppy and uh, I couldn't get in to eat because I had the dog and the ladies that worked there the red like like Catholic worker folks, you know, they, they, I still have a soft spot for. Uh, they, somebody saw what was happening, and they brought me out to play, you hmm. know, which they usually weren't, they usually didn't do, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's the, that's the ticket right there. You know?
0: Yeah. The ticket? Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know if how this is gonna fit into the flow since we're getting near the end of our, our interview, but whether or not this will make it in, but like sabotage, self-sabotage is, is, uh, something I think, um, I know that, you know, speaking from my disease, you know, there's, there's moments where there's, I used to be a lot worse in the self-sabotage department. Uh, but there's, there's, uh, people out there that, that are, uh, that are just sabotaging themselves on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and what do you do to prevent self sabotage when you're having those moments of fear?
2: Well, like I said it's it's to me it's an amount of it's it's experience and it's awareness that uh, that basically like I've done things the wrong way enough to recognize when it's happening. And by knowing that that I'm that I'm not doing that, that things aren't going I've not, I've done it not right long enough to realize when I'm doing it not right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's basically wisdom. Like, and I don't know, and I don't know if there's any other. I think recovery should be messy because it creates this contrast for when it's beautiful. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like I guess I a story. Uh, you know, I'll probably get out of here. Was, uh, along, I was at my, in my friend's backyard one time got one of those, you know those uh, vine maples, the red ones? Mm-hmm. We're in his backyard, and uh, there's like, it's a big, he has a good view, and there's this giant storm that was north of us, and, and the sun was on us, though, and the sun hit that maple, and it looked like it was on fire, mm-hmm. and that storm, those dark clouds were behind it, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'd never noticed how red that maple was. I might not see it like that again, but because of those clouds behind it, it just seems so, so vibrant, so alive, you know. And a lot of times when I'm having a hard day in recovery, it is that, that, that tragedy, that, that ugliness, that uh, that fear, that that makes me feel alive and vibrant mm. and beautiful. I it I know that, you know. I think about guns in my. Face, and I think about, you know, like all this, this craziness. I think about, you know, my, like, uh, upsetting my mom. I think about, you know, doing bad things to good people. And, and then I think about my kids. And I think about, you know, all the good that I've done, you know, since I got a kid. And, yeah.
1: I, you know, that's, that's just powerful in itself in that, that's almost like a surrendering to you know that component of recovery as well and that there is beauty in in the tragedy as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i you know i tell people often who don't who don't make a regular effort to have conversation or as you say you know talk to them or um, maybe view things from the outside is Tele- it telescoping right yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know that um you know, these places like the artesian commons when somebody might say oh you know that's all this they might use partic- particular descriptive terms like transient, or mm-hmm. you know the negative the negative words. You know, I share with them. I say, you know, you got to have to understand that there's only a few places in the Olympia area, City Gates, yeah. you know, um, Artesian Commons, the uh, uh, Crazy Faith. Yeah, yeah, there's only yeah. certain spaces at certain times during the week where people aren't don't have the potential to get robbed, yeah, yeah, yeah. raped, or beat up. Yeah, safe places. Just the safe places, you know, yeah. and that's why they come here. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's why they that where you know once they leave these
2: spaces, yeah. the safety's gone. Yeah, and also the folks that, if you ask me, like the biggest threat to Olympia isn't isn't folks, uh, homeless folks, or folks that might have different mental health issues or folks with addiction. The biggest. The people I can't stand downtown are like drunk bros
0: on Ooh. Friday and Saturday nights yep.
2: at 10 p.m. That just come want to fight. Here. Yeah, that just come down here to stir shit up. Yeah, they think they're the funniest, the smartest, the toughest person around. Yeah, you know they do. My, yeah, I've those sp- are the folks that those are the folks that worry me. You know, and you know, people think that a lot of times I fall really hard against anybody who says anything negative about street folks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know what, maybe, maybe I'm too far that one way, but I think it's my job to, mm-hmm. to counter mm-hmm. the the dominant narrative mm-hmm. of, of the of homeless folks are homeless because they're irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Or that they've made poor choices and don't get me wrong. I mean, people make choices, you know, but, uh, you know, like, like I said earlier, it's like, uh, no, I worry, and I, you know, to be honest, man, I feel bad for folks that think like that mm-hmm. because, like, I mean, that's because that's it's a hard
0: way to live. You know? It is a hard way to live, and they, they people isolate themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's the thing is like, and that's how we share it. We live it out. Yeah. We need to confront it. We confront it in different ways. They yeah. need to experience it also, you mm-hmm. know, experience it, you know. So I mean, if you if you're listening and you're looking for a way to to get involved uh, with uh, homeless outreach, just just a witness. If it means just making some some sandwiches or, or wherever you know, whatever way you can serve in that area, just these are people. Yeah. These are people. It's and it could be you. There's people that are still feeling the negative effects of the Great Recession. Yeah. They, got, they got divorced. Yeah. They lost their job. They lost their house. And next thing you know throw in a little bit of mental health issues with some drug addiction, and they're homeless.
2: You talk about that microscope and that telescope, man. I think all of Olympia has that microscope right now, because they're out here they're talking about, like, oh, man, like, what's happening to downtown Olympia? Like, this is the downtown Olympia thing, man like I was like man have you even been to Seattle right now man <laughs> Seattle declared a state of emergency yeah there,
1: there's there's I, yeah. I actually drove up there the other day and I saw several encampments along the freeway oh yeah 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 it's you know right it's, it's 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 everywhere and so <laughs> you know I think that I think that you should just keep going on that that directness with folks and because no, I, because really because yeah. I mean it builds it builds it builds that awareness yeah. and in and and as tough as it is, it's encouraging. I
2: mm-hmm. can't do it to be honest, like I can't really do it any other way now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, I love I love stand up and I love my community. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I get I get so much support from folks, you know. Even when I'm having bad days, like even being on this podcast and stuff like that to me that's that's rad. Kind of really just having a good time with you too, no, man. I'm not gonna fart in your car.
1: I appreciate that. I,
0: I might. Brian that's probably no, will with <laughs> 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 Ate a lot of bread last night.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, well, hey, brother! Thanks for coming out uh, again, you. Sam Miller. Thank you for having me. Bigger us. Sam, 67, 67, 67 at Twitter.
0: Twitter.
2: And yeah. I'll see you guys. Soon. All right. Hey, hold me on
0: cool. Thanks, Sam that's been another encouragement drive from the encouragement collaborative feel free to go to encouragementcollaborative.com and check us out there see us on facebook like us follow and share the content we've got there you can also connect with us on twitter at EG collaborative. Email us at encouragementcollaborative at gmail.com. Call us and leave a voicemail at 206-486-4790. Any of those different options, you can sign up to receive our monthly collaborator newsletter for exclusive content and more. Thank you very much for listening, and remember that encouragement can come from anywhere.